Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. This is Friday, the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. I wish you and your partners a happy Valentine's. I've got a small but powerful panel. I've got some interesting stories. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Firstly, Spencer Forum. Would you like to introduce yourself, Spencer? <laughs> I'm Spencer Foreman, and I am uh, over from launchflows.com. And those of you who don't know, I am Jonathan's long-lost uncle. I remember him growing up as a wee lad back home. Oh, there's Sally. Yeah, yes, we, I am here. Yes. And I've got Vito. Vito, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners of yours? Of course. Uh, so I'm Vito. I'm the founder of WP Feedback. Uh, we help WordPress professionals fix communications uh, with their clients and uh, among themselves through our new platform. Oh, yeah, that's great. And I've got my great co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners of yours? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl, organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. That's great. And before we go into the stories, I want to talk about our major sponsor, of this episode, and that's WP Tonic Feedback. And what WP Tonic Feedbacks, we've all been, <laughs> we've all been there um, in that horrible loop with clients where they are sending us messages by Word documents, by emails, sending us PDFs, all sorts of formats and ways, and we can't find anything. It's scattered all over our inbox of our email client, in our Dropbox folders, and we're spending more time trying to find stuff than actually doing the jobs, and half the jobs we don't do, and they get really pissed off, and it's horrible, isn't it? So that's what WP Feedback helps with, Basically, it helps you communicate with your clients in a superb, easy-to-use mythology. And recently, they've increased their scope, so they've got a new community platform as well that allows you to show your latest work with designers, build relationship with other developers, designers, in a secure, private way that's not open to the general public so you can build more relationship with your fellow designer and developers if that sounds interesting go over to wp feedback and you can use the coupon code wp tonic rocks i repeat that wp tonic rocks or one word and you'll get 25 percent of any of their packages and that's exclusively offered to you listeners and viewers of the wp tonic show and our second sponsor is um launch flows now launch flows is an amazing new plugin that really allows you to develop and design custom layouts with WooCommerce. Basically, if you're using Alimator or Divi, um, you can take the power of WooCommerce and customize the shopping cart um, layout look to your requirements. You're not restricted by the normal look of the normal WooCommerce checkout pages. And it's just freaking amazing. So if you go over, go over to Launch Flows and have a look at what's on offer. So let's go into the first story. Awesome, awesome motive requires all-in-one SEO pack plugin. What did you think of this one, Spencer? You know, Saeed is probably one of the bigger entrepreneurs in the WordPress world for good reason. Uh, he really understands how most WordPress consumers think. And so has really created a lot of value, obviously, with starting with the blog. But now what they're doing is going around and <clears throat> besides the venture capital fund, they're cherry picking certain plugins that are otherwise not getting the attention. And he's <laughs> following the model we've been talking about forever, which is consolidating the key things that most people need. Uh, some of the times we talk about this, it's been at the hosting companies like GoDaddy, 
but he's just doing independently with his own software company. And each of them have a similar model, which is their recurring subscription, their phone home model. I'm sure this will follow the same. So I trust him. I like him. I don't necessarily feel that their plugins are the right choice for everybody, but for the person who comes into the WordPress space, I like the way it democratizes the choices for those key features compared to Automatic's Jetpack, which I feel is non-transparent about the way they're doing business. When you do business with Saeed and WP Forms or WP Ninja or one of the other things, uh, this is the forms, I think. But the idea is, you know, you know going into it, okay, I'm paying you this much. There's a service that I'm charged for. There's a website I'm logging into and so forth. It's not like put this thing in your website because you didn't ask for it and suddenly all this magical stuff is being transmitted behind your back. So I think this is a natural progression. I will make a side comment, which is, and John's not here to discuss it, unfortunately, but I think SEO has hit the pinnacle of lack of use for anybody uh, on a normal level. And the reason simply being that it's just a factual statement, I'm willing to go on record, that unless you have a lot of ad money to spend, your SEO is not going to be the same thing it was a year or two ago. It's not like you'll have a snowball chance in hell ever getting to the homepage. Instead, your SEO is more like one channel. Like, could I be found on Instagram or YouTube or something like that? So to the extent that the plugin helps you with that, terrific. But I get so many clients who ask me, before they've even built a membership site or business, well, what about the SEO? I got every single thing I got to do because the Yoast plugin has got me working 24-7, optimizing my keywords. I'm like, put nothing in there because nobody will ever see you anyway for the next 10 years unless you have $100,000 to spend. And that's what, what I hope. I think that's a little bit extreme. But Tell us how you really feel, Spencer. Yeah. Hey, we got, we got another, that's um, that's what you guys pay me for every week. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. True. It's, true. It's, it's true. It's true. I noticed that the, uh, uh, the quote from Zayed was very... Um, tactfully phrased. They wanted something that was easier to use and didn't specify than what. Um, although I, I think <clears throat> it's easy enough to, to think that the problem is that um, SEO in and of itself is not easy. And yeah, you can do your on-page optimization. And in some areas, um, you know, it, it will help to a degree, but Spencer is, is right about, you know, all of yeah. the off-page stuff and the depending on, on what area you're in, you know, just, that you might just get doing, a ton of, yeah. of ads wanna, and other stuff. And I want to add one thing to this because this is relevant. And since some of the other stories, I don't know what the hell we're talking about this week. I'm going to do a WordPress-related extended opinion here. I, I have a good relationship with Frederick Towns, who was the creative W3TC, who is a very successful entrepreneur. And he's gone on to do other businesses. He's Boston-based. But the W3TC cash plug-in, was years awful. ago, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say it's awful. I would say years ago was the only thing and an absolute necessity because hosting was so horrendous, all crammed onto shared servers that there was no way to get a site to load. That plugin. Yeah, the only that, problem is that was not plugin was not designed for shared hosting. But but my point is to your where you're going with this. It was the right plugin for the right problem at the right time. And Frederick used that as a springboard to lots of other stuff. But my point of bringing it up is <laughs> we had conversations, he and I, in the last couple of years about what to do with the plugin and where to go with it. The plugin is of no purpose anymore. There's no point in having a complex caching plugin in a world where VPS servers allow you to just run natively with, without even varnish or caching at all. SEO is the same way. Yoast is sitting on this pile of dog shit of SEO that used to be relevant, and it's not. But the problem is that it's being jammed down people's throats by default. When that Yoast plugin gets put in, people go into an unnecessary panic that every waking moment they got to be optimizing SEO. And if you look at the facts, the facts do not support for almost all startup businesses. SEO means nothing. So if anything happens, maybe Saeed will bring some clarity of purpose, which is instead of this being like, taking up your whole post editor every freaking time, maybe it'll be very subtle. Like it'll just run in the background doing its little busy bee stuff like a kismet or something. And that would be well, very good. Well, we were um, 
like a lot of things you say, Spencer, I agree with almost two thirds of it, but it's just the last third that I, I think. I, I always love when you do that because, like, we have private conversations and then eventually you come over to my way of thinking. Well, after I think about it, that's because you beat him down, Spencer. Um, I I, I would say all the time, but I think about what what you have to say. But what I think where you're wrong is, you know, I agree with what you say about Yoast, and I think this is fantastic news that a really serious player, and I'm not saying the other people aren't serious, but what I mean by that, somebody that's got the marketing resources and also the financial resources to make a real um, competitive product to Yoast because, you know, um, some of the way Yoast has been acting and the plug-in, they need some real competition. Secondly, I agree with you, just doing on-site SEO uh, isn't probably going to improve your position in any noticeable manner. But where I disagree with you is that, yes, obviously what um, Google has done over the past 18 months is pushed um, organic down even more. <clears throat> it seems to be a process that they, they seem to be committed to. How far they can go, I can't really see how far they can go from where they are at the present moment. Where I disagree with you, if you know, if it's combined with a real marketing strategy, a real where you're placing yourself in the market, um, are you going to nicheify enough? Or other factors, um, SEO is still relevant. That's where I, I don't understand I, how. Give me one example of how for a startup SEO is relevant. The only thing I can tell you that works is Yoast does one thing horrible to people. If you turn on that 301 automatic redirection feature, which is hidden in the background, nine out of 10 people that come to me who have that don't understand why none of their permalinks are working as they expected. And it turned out that Yoast is busy in the background saving a redirection as a 301 all by itself. So all that I see happening is if you have a bunch of wacko pages that you don't want to have visible, I can see a utility for that purpose, like the robot text file to manage that. But all this bullshit about your keywords and all the finding in Google, it's just bullshit. It's snake oil now. And so the thing that I find is offensive about Yoast's plugin, <coughs> they are literally continuing to tell people like, you need to do this thing, but they don't. And instead, they're not focusing on the important stuff, which is make good content that people want so that other people will talk about it and share it. That's always been the secret to SEO, you know, be relevant. Yeah. Well, I just have to have a joint webinar with um, Chris, who has joined us. Chris Badger has joined us. Um, Chris, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to this of views? Sure. I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, and I help course creators create, launch, and scale. So, Chris, do you think um, SEO plugins and SEO is totally irrelevant now? I'm fascinated by the SEO issue. I think it's a smart acquisition by Syed and Awesome Motive and a good partnership that he's going into. I do also think with any plugin, it's great to have some friendly rivals. Competition drives innovation. So I think that's really good. When I think SEO, I think purple shirts. When I go to a conference, a WordPress event, there's going to be a, the Yoast team, a lot of purple shirts. And I, I think about this a lot, actually, as a marketer. Um, there's a lot of people want SEO. They want to rank high for their business, which makes sense why SEO plugins are very popular. But um, installing a plugin is not going to improve your SEO out of the box. There's a lot that goes into it. And the best SEO work in my opinion, has to do with your strategy around pillar content and uh, your your strategy around real inbound links that develop naturally over time based on strategic partnerships, creating shareable stuff, you know, smartly building affiliate programs and, you know, customers who a reason for them to share about you that's not manipulative in any way, but just to naturally over time that's where the real SEO magic happens. I do do a little bit. I use the Yoast SEO plugin and I actually like it. I like being able to like control the um, 
you know, the, the meta descriptions on a per post basis and, you know, have a slightly different message for a share on Facebook versus a regular share and in the Google search results or whatever. But um, I don't think SEO is dead. I just think that it's a lot harder to manipulate and control. And I think the market, unfortunately, has a, a lot of mass delusion around how much influence they can actually have over their own SEO by some settings in a plugin. Exactly. I think you put it excellent. What did you think, Vito? Um, I agree with Chris uh, most of all, but I think that uh, uh, what Spencer is trying, trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it just shouldn't be the first strategy you focus on. And with this, I, fo- yeah. I, I full-heartedly agree. You know? When you start something new, you got to focus on the now. You can't think like two years ahead, three years ahead. Uh, and uh, so that's when like uh, ads and uh, and uh, cold outreach and all these kind of stuff that uh, are more relevant because they can get you the result today. Um, but because you- I'm sure the launch of your own product, you, you know, you have long term yeah. SEO strategies, but you weren't really that yeah. concerned with it at the present moment at, when you launch because it was going to take so it takes a long time. To have exactly. an effective SEO strategy, doesn't it? So from the beginning, I, I like uh, on the initial uh, marketing plan, uh, there was no SEO category at all. Uh, this only started this year, like going into year two. Now we're working on the pillar content, like Chris was saying. Uh, so we have our little strategy for the year and exactly what we're going to be talking about and how that's going to work together. Um, uh, but it's all about the shares. That's what I found uh, the most because I, instead of writing posts on my blog, I, I collaborated with a lot of other blogs uh, to write on theirs and to share my story and to share my knowledge on whatever, you know. And so from that experience, I saw the, um, uh, the power of, uh, uh, of content. I, I wouldn't call it SEO. It was just the power of, of written content. Um, I just want to say on, on Vito's point, like when you go to somebody else's stage, whether that's their blog, their podcast, their <laughs> WordPress uh, news roundup show, the main point is to not get inbound links. The main point is to That's add value to that person's audience. The, the SEO that comes from that is a side effect. It's not the priority. Uh, and that's the approach that we're taking with the, with the pillar content as well, which basically we bra- broke it down to uh, a, like a, a big article about a topic that is really relevant to us that has relevancy in SEO, you know, through keyword research and all that. Not even looking at what the, the plugin will do eventually. It's more of what we're working around it to prepare the content for it. But making sure that SEO is, for me, I see it as a, or, you know, at least the keyword research is a good indicator of what the, audit, the market is after. That's the kind of um, a, a approach that I'm taking to this. Not so much about if I have three sentences in italic and uh, one paragraph in bold, you know, in the, in, in the blog post itself. Uh, even though we do do that, once we do, once we put in the blog, we go through the Yoast uh, rules. I didn't know that they don't do anything. We just follow the rules, I guess. Hi, <laughs> John. What do you reckon? There we go. Unmuted. Um, I think what Chris, I think Chris nailed it on the head. If uh, the the top of the Google search results for how to do X thing is dominated by the content creators that have been around for a very long time already. Uh, and it's going to be very, it's going to take you a long time, a lot of content and a lot of patience in order to dominate or to at least even start to break the dominance of, of those other platforms that already exist in, in our community, in the WordPress community, it's like WP Beginner, Kinsta and the content marketing strategies that have been around for years already. So your goal as a new company or even as an existing company that just hasn't been able to break that is to get yourself on like the top 10 listicles, uh, which was part of my plan and uh, and start generating or start uh, breaching the other people's content and not necessarily trying to get your own to rank. As Vito said as well, go and what Chris said, go participate on other people's stages. Uh, that is a lot, that time is a lot more worthwhile than trying to get your own content to rank if you haven't built up that sort of like Google reputation yet. Um, Audience and authority and domain, uh, like yeah. uh, legacy and all of these things that take yeah. years. Option well, number two, is uh, option number two is create a brand that is a misspelling of a word, and you know that you've gotten there when Google no longer tries to autocorrect it back to the original. 
which we finally got. Groundhog no longer gets uh, gets autocorrected to the animal. It just it's just instant. So that's option number two, and then creating a brand around that because you will always come up first for your own name. So, so Adrian, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I missed it if it happened, but but did you guys have some kind of a, a promotion on the second of February? Uh, we we didn't have a promotion, but we made a prediction, and we had like a cute little animation go out, and we predicted we predicted an early spring, and uh, Pucks Tony Phil also predicted an early spring, which is awesome. Minus the fact that it's negative nineteen degrees Celsius outside, uh, which is very cold. Um, for those of you who, who uh, yes, that, that's exceedingly cold. It, it is pretty spring like here, though. That's great. It's mm-hmm. not. It's there's snow mm-hmm. on the ground, and it's white. Is it's awful. <laughs> But you work somewhere. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's early. Maybe it'll be early spring in, in uh, Philadelphia or wherever. See, there you get listeners and viewers. You even get predictions on the weather on this show. Where else in the WordPress space can you find that? The, the uh, only um, guaranteed you're British. Thing from we have the, to talk about the weather. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, uh, only, um, the only guaranteed thing about the acquisition is that all in one SEO pack is going to get better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So on to the next story. Wix, oh God, Wix reveals Editor X platform to answer complex designer needs. Mm, who shall I start with here? Um, Sally, what did you think of that one? Uh, well, I, you know, it came up uh, right after our uh, show last week where we had been talking about the, you know, Gutenberg and Beaver Builder and, and uh, you know, whether the the WordPress core team can, you know, catch up and compete. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but also a reminder that it isn't um, specifically the WordPress page builders uh, that Gutenberg is designed to compete with, although, you know, it's doing that too, um, but the likes of Wix. Um, and it says, you know, it's come up with this, this new tool uh, for complex design needs, although... Um, <clears throat> At Wix, the website building platform has unveiled a new system that offers advanced design and layouting capabilities. I'm sorry, I will not use a product by people who say layouting. <laughs> but uh, 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 it is, uh, uh, you know, intuitive drag and drop systems, grid layouting. I, I, is this going to become one of those words that, that we just have to like suck it up and tolerate or what? Um, uh, so uh, it is, uh, uh, it, it is a reminder of, you know, what's out there uh, since apparently you have to like apply to their beta in order to see it, uh, you know, I, I haven't uh, taken a look at it or, or oh, you're not tempted. Like. Um, not terribly. If I'm going to send people to something that's not WordPress, because I think that, that WordPress is overkill for their site, it's probably going to be Webflow. All right. Maybe not Squarespace. Um, maybe Squarespace, but again, if I, I, I'm thinking of the, the people who really want kind of a, uh, you know, a yellow pages ad of a, of a website, although Webflow can do more sophisticated things, but, but we're essentially what you want is a, is a static site, hmm. um, because, you know, they want a, a home about services contact and, and they're going to update the content maybe once a year. Uh, I just, I, I Wix gives me bad vibes, though I know they've come a long way since their early days of Flash websites. Yes. Um, what do you reckon, Adrian? Let's keep anyone who's going to have to unmute. Uh, well, all improvements are worthwhile. And the fact that Wix is around is only good for the WordPress community. Uh, will I ever use it? Probably not. It has its place in the market, though. And... Uh, Hopefully, we'll see some. May, may, I don't know. I'm not going to use it, but maybe someone will, and they'll see something cool that it does that we don't have, and it'll take someone maybe a day and a half in order to turn that into WordPress, so that we can benefit from what our technological innovations that they have. Yeah, I just want five dollars for every bloody Wix ever I've had to watch <laughs> uh, on YouTube every time I looked at a WordPress topic. Yeah, um, they they are very aggressive in advertising. Uh, yes. Oh my Sp- god! Speaking speaking of the importance of your of your ad dollars at work, Spence. Um, yes, exactly. What do you reckon, Vito? Um, 
I used to use Wix. Uh, oh, he's, a, he's old, is this guy? He's a bit of old. Uh, so yeah, when it was in the flash days, you know, I built a few websites on this uh, just to, to, that was a, like a nice experience getting started. <coughs> I think that um, this is kind of the tool and we used to reference a lot of customers or potential customers that didn't have the budget for us. Uh, to just use them. Yeah, then it moved on to using Squarespace. You know, there is, like uh, Adrian is saying, there's a place in the market for this. Um, I can't see many kind of uh, professionals or agencies jumping ship from whatever they're doing and uh, moving onward to that. I just see it happening with uh, web flows, like, uh, uh, like we're saying here, because I, I don't know, um, it's, it's still very small, uh, you know, like... Um, they're making a lot more noise than than uh, than it seems that uh, something is really happening there, uh, but um, but if anything, it's gonna go there. Which means that I don't know why Wix are kind of like focusing on giving more advanced tools instead of focusing on more basic tools. I think that's the approach that they should take, knowing their audience and uh, who. It, I, I do. You're right. I mean, that's always been their core market. Yeah. So they can do it a lot simpler than what it is now, like simplify the process even way further instead of uh, uh, going down into uh, padding uh, by pixels and stuff like that. No. What do you reckon, Chris? I think it looks like the WordPress block editor. <laughs> but uh, it's good. I, you know, for designers, agencies or whatever, these are segments of the market versus a do-it-yourself website creator. So I think it's interesting to see you know, how different companies position themselves. But like I think Adrian said, I just think it's healthy to have competition, whether that's Beaver Builder, Elementor, the Divi Builder, Wix, Squarespace, Gutenberg. Uh, by everybody trying to remove friction, we all get better together. So that's kind of the infinite game of making web design accessible and creating tools that certain are better fit for certain segments of the market. What do you reckon, Uncle Spencer? Um, Very thoughtful opinions. I agree with everything that's been said, but I'll take a different tact. I view this scenario of Wix and Weebly, Squarespace, and uh, the other like platforms as the difference when you look at a a child who wants to learn how to ride a bicycle. You have a choice as a parent. The child gets the tricycle or they get the 10-speed. They get the 10 speed. Obviously, you need to put training wheels on it. If they go with the tricycle, they will be amazingly happy right then and there. And they will be tooling around with no help at all from their parent for about a year. If they go with the 10 speed, there'll be an enormous amount of pain for the first day, two days, three days, whatever, if they can even fit on the 10 speed. But when they become a teenager, They'll be riding that 10-speed off to high school and onto the Tour de France. With the tricycle, they will be done a year after you get them the tricycle, and that's it. And that's how, when you commit a business to a Wix or Weebly, a Squarespace, or any of the platforms, to a certain extent, they will always have immediate gratification, and then they will immediately hit the wall. Squarespace particularly good at this. Like, oh, my God, my designer friends love it. But they would always end up coming to me going like, what about the subscription thing? Or, oh, why can't I control which tabs show up in which order? I'm like, because you effed up and you started with what was easy first, but now you have none of the control. WordPress, for a lot of people, super intimidating, like a 10-speed. But then what happens is if somebody interjects and gives them the info, they get the ultimate capability down the road. So it goes with them. And so that's where my take is. There's a great amount of need for lots of different purposes and products, but it's not clear if you don't have good advice, which one is going to get you, you know, the, the long-term solution you need. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you 10 out of 10 for explaining that. That was a, a superb uh, explanation. I'll give you top mocks for that, Spencer. Can you, We're going to go... Week. Can you raise my salary for the show this week? Yeah, of course, of course, I will do. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> it's not even a salary for me, let for you, panel. Uh, um, That's right. So, you'll, you'll, you'll get a twenty percent raise. Right, uh, uh, an additional twenty percent for nothing is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's like being in the American workforce. <laughs> In general, uh, um, we're going to go for our break, um, listeners and viewers. We'll be back in a few moments. 
Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WPTonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. I think we've had a good discussion, actually. I think it's been very grown up, uh, very insightful. I was very impressed with Uncle Spencer's last little statement. Um, That's your feedback from me beating you up on the show. (laughs) I deserve it. I deserve everything I get. Uh, um, So, if you're handing it out, you've got to have shoulders broad enough to get some back, haven't you? Uh, um, Our beloved president wants to learn that, doesn't he? Uh, um, (laughs) Uh, um, On to the next. The um, important lesson every designer should learn from... I can never pronounce this state. Can you help Iowa. me? Iowa. Caucuses. What do you think of it? I just can't do it. It's, it's just absolutely tricks me up. Um, what did you reckon about this one then, Sally? Uh, well, it's uh, again, we had talked about this uh, last week uh, and saw this and it's... Uh, oh, the douchebag of the, of the local state that he's resigned, doesn't he? Uh, I, I, people come and go so often I, I lose track, but, um, but this is interesting that, yeah, InVision, um, interviewed somebody who has worked in basically like election design and government stuff for a long time and, and talked about, uh, the amazing, um, Dumpster fire uh, was the word she uses in the in the uh, in the interview uh, of the app created for the caucuses, and um, hey, you know uh, she's talking about how you know it it appears that it was only six months ahead of time that the Democratic Party decided they wanted to use an app, and they only actually gave the people who built it about two months to build it, uh, and it would definitely oh, appear... Plenty that, of time, plenty right, of would, time. Well, I, I mean, this has given me, like, shades of the, the E.T. game that, that was so bad it put Atari out of business, because um, the guy had, like, six weeks to build it, which was one of the one of the problems. Um, but they've got a very complex system that probably they don't understand because even in terms of political stuff, the caucuses are just weird. Uh, and uh, then uh, you're in a, a chaotic environment and you have to uh, download this app, which you've maybe heard about the day before, uh, where you might not have a very good connection. And then you know, figure out how to use it and and report your stuff. And, you know, not surprising if if people who were familiar with doing it the old way uh, found it more efficient to to do it the old way. Um, So, yeah, just it it seems like there were a lot of uh, a lot of things that they missed and that in a circumstance where you especially want, you know, a long run up and a a lot of testing and to, you know, be sure that the people are trained to use the thing, that none of that got done. Now, this is interesting, actually, because I'm in the process myself. Um, Chris, um, recently I've been doing a couple of soft launches for a couple of clients using learning management systems, WordPress ones, yourself, your, your own product and somebody else's. And... We've been doing a soft launch, so we've got about 12, 15 users in both um, systems. Um, they're separate clients, and it's and they fill in a form um, to tell us what they thought of the experience. So when you were actually building Lifter, how much, you know, how much discussion went in the actual usability part of it? Because it, it's really interesting when you start getting some actual user feedback, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot goes into that question. But um, first of all, we dog food our own product. We have an academy site. We use our product ourselves. Team members who are not necessarily WordPress power users or developers use it. 
So we're getting, we're always getting feedback. We also have very high touch uh, frontline obsession with our customers in social media, like Facebook groups, live office hours calls. So we're constantly collecting feedback. And what I'm listening for a lot is the course creators experience, but also their, where are their users getting frustrated? The classic example is um, people say, people tell my customers they can't log in or they're not getting the password reset email or whatever. These are just basic technical troubleshooting issues that anytime we get a signal of a pattern of something like that, we look to the software and how to remove that friction. And we're not perfect. And WordPress itself makes it quite challenging uh, to make usability easy simply because the tool is so flexible and powerful. And we have no control over what all people are going to load up inside of there. So every configuration is literally different. And, um, and because things are kind of buried down in the side menu and you got to kind of go all these layers deep to get to the settings and everything, it's not as intuitive or as easy to use. So in a way, it's linked to what Uncle Spencer said. You know, they, they, want, they want a tricycle in some ways. They want a tricycle, but they want the flexibility of a 10-speed racer, don't they? This is, the, this is the ultimate question right here, at least in a WordPress LMS, is how do I deliver all the power and flexibility of WordPress without the hassle. That sounds cool. And you could put that in your marketing if you wanted to. But the reality is, is, is because of all that power and flexibility, it's, it's more difficult to use than like a Teachable, a Thinkific, and a Kajabi. But the user experience of the user is that we can compete there all day long. And as an example, like on Tuesday, we're launching Lifter LMS Groups. We intentionally designed it so that a group leader... Um, or group admin never goes into the back end of WordPress. Like their group homepage, they edit from the front end of the website. They don't, we're, we're assuming that the group person has never seen WordPress, doesn't know what it is. They don't need to even go to WP admin and see anything. Like they're, it's all front end. And that's, that's an intentional design decision to make sure that it's intuitive and we can work with people who are as low tech as possible. But basically... I think the big strategy there is, which we like to do is we like to, whenever we roll something out or design something, we design for both ends. An extremely like non-technical beginner that's technologically challenged and a WordPress power user developer person who needs like the API and needs to go nuts with customization. If we satisfy both, which is the ultimate challenge of WordPress itself, then we're, we're doing all right. The middle takes care of itself. <laughs> What do you reckon, Vito? First of all, I love what uh, Chris is saying because this is exactly the point. And I think we talked about this as we just started about uh, these these points and uh, uh, how important it is to actually gather as much feedback as you can. We did it even before we started through the uh, through the um, uh, surveys that we did. Even now, we surveyed uh, uh, close to a thousand people to check what they want for this new step that we just took. Uh, so I'm try I try to be you know. We call WP feedback. We might as well uh, do it uh, ourselves. So we kind of like uh, go all out with this. To solve this problem that Chris is talking about, our approach was to create wizards. So we have a backend wizard and a frontend wizard that basically takes the person through automatically. As soon as they click activate, it starts them on this. A few plugins are doing this kind of stuff uh, to, to get them to, um, uh, first of all, um, uh, to get them familiar with the with the functionalities that you want to highlight, but without cluttering them with all of the additional features that we have once they finish the wizard, you know. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's the kind of like how we approached it. Uh, so you get everything up and running, but if you want the extra step, so you know you're already driving on your tricycle, but if you want the extra step and uh, and uh, you're looking to add, uh, you know, the ten uh, thing in there, so you can through the additional screens. That's like the approach to the wizards that we were taking. Uh, also really interesting is what you said about the front end, the, the, um, uh, both sides of the scale. So for, for us, we also look at this from the developer side, but also from, the, from the, their client side and how that's going to be approaching to them. So that's why we have like the backend if, uh, wizard that is just for the developer and speaks in their language and gives them, the, understands where they're coming from in terms of the level of, of uh, proficiency with the tools uh, compared to the front-end wizard that is just, you know, click here, click here, click here, you know, that's it. 
So, Adrian, I've got to say, um, I've been using Groundhog a bit this week. And I just think you did, compared to some other CRMs, you just did a fantastic job with the interface. How much effort did you have to put in to develop that and the concept? We, we've completely rebuilt the interface of Groundhog twice. Uh, so we built it the first time. And then we were using it and our clients were using it. And they're like, Adrian, this sucks. And I'm like, okay. And then I rebuilt it again. <laughs> and, uh, and then we ran into some more, more scalability issues. And then we rebuilt it a third. And then we built it a third time. So total two rebuilds twice with plus the initial. And uh, right now I'm very, I'm extremely satisfied with, with where it is at the moment. A lot of our customers are very satisfied with where it is. Um, but that was, that was probably like, major iterations every six months uh, from from MVP. So uh, a serious amount of like feedback has had been received in what is essentially a, a year and a half project in at this point. Um, to and, and and even so we're our target market or our current audience size is like less than a thousand people, not a huge audience that we have already on our platform or on our list per se to go out to someone and say, Hey, listen, we need this app created in like, in like two months. And it's going to be used for like these hundreds of thousands of people uh, to vote for this one thing. And it needs to work perfectly is like a totally, as we're moving fast and breaking. Well, that's just why I moved to, I moved to discussion on, cause it's linked, but uh, the whole concept was, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I actually, the really cynical English side of me actually doesn't believe this was a, just a total balls up. I, I think part the cynical really, they kind of spook, spy. Um, it was done intentionally um, to get an outcome to make sure that this caucus was a total failure because the establishment wanted it to be a total failure. But that, you know, I, I'm, I'm sounding, I'm, I'm sounding like info wars now, and I, you know, I think I've lost the plot, haven't you? I, which is very understandable, isn't it? Yeah, so, but user, user experience design uh, comes from, like, nobody ever gets it right the first time. Uh, to, it's it's very it's it's probably impossible or like extremely very rare that someone puts out something and then it stays exactly that way as people start using it and adopting it and adding it to their to their workflows that it actually uh, ends up being what what it is that they move forward with. You can see Wix adding their brand new editor because they've now accumulated years upon years of experience with how people use their products and what additions they need to make in order to continuously prove that user experience as technology changes, as other methods of doing things become available, you naturally, the developer in us or the, the user experience designer within us wants to bring those changes, bring those new technologies in order to make the resistance from getting from a, a concept to an actual implementation shorter and easier. And you need to have the, you need to have the time to be able to go through that natural development process uh, and, 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 give yourself a little time before you end up in an extremely high stakes operation to, uh, uh, and then, and then putting it to like a real test. So that's what I have to say on, on user experience design. You need, you need the time and you need the feedback and an expectation of immediate satisfaction is not realistic. <laughs> so what do you reckon Spencer, you know, you've been involved in building some products, UX usability, interface design it's uh it's a difficult area isn't it no matter what your experience uh everybody had really good thoughts adrian's sage advice at the end i'll focus on because i agree with him wholeheartedly but my takeaway to this particular issue is this is a clear disconnect between the people hired to build the thing mm -hmm. and the end users and the problem is you get a bunch of people by committee in the middle who just need something but don't know why, who hire some people that, hey, tell me what you want, but don't have any clue what it's like to be the end user. Some, you know, Iowan in a gym somewhere with no Wi-Fi who's like, oh, I got to get the results in now. Oh, the remote control on the TV isn't working. What they could have, would have, should have done is literally just said, take a picture with your cell phone and email it to this address. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, isn't it? 
Like, why couldn't they? Have- <laughs> but that wouldn't be like hipster enough. But I'm just saying, like, if you think about, it, like, yeah. where are the brains of this operation? Why not? Yeah. You, you send a fax to everybody, yeah. a, or a, a horse and wagon that says, "Hey, Bob or Sally, in between breaks of your coffee, take a picture of the piece of paper on the table and email it to this address with your phone." Because everybody has a phone these days, even my, you know, mom or my 80 year old dad. That's what the solution should. My, have my been. mom is still using a dumb phone. I mean, I, I oh, thought I was the last person. So, but. so, like, for your mom, they could have had a backup, which would have been give it to the kids in the gym to run on over to the library or something. <laughs> but the point is, like, this is so dumb because it has nothing to do with design. It's a fundamental – when you – I'll step off my horse for a second. When you look at the difference between an organization or an entrepreneur – I'm going to speak for Adrian because I know him a little well. He's got a tight-knit group. They can see immediately, oh, third time is probably going to be the charm. The first one sucked. The second one sucked less. The third one's better because I'm immediately in touch with the people. I live and breathe this every day. Almost all of us do. When you have an organization, all the politics and the people and the, all this other bullshit gets in the way of it's not working. Why are we doing this to let's fix it? And that's the reality, unfortunately, we have clients now that could be doing stuff with one person that they have 20 people and all kinds of net charts and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is an example of when bad things happen in politics because it's not their money. They don't know what they're doing. They're not being entrepreneurial. And the Democrats in particular have a real reason to get their shit together because they don't have the money or the ill will to get stuff done the other way, which is you know what we're seeing now with politics. So I say good lesson for those of us who have the opportunity to do things differently is you have to be in touch with who's using your thing and why and use the least complicated, least expensive, simplest solution. It takes a lot of skill to make something something easy. You know, people think any idiot can make something really complicated. That's what I've learned. You know, I make things very complicated, very regularly, listeners of yours. Here we go. Uh, um, I'm going to skip a couple of stories because I don't want this to be war and peace because I know you, my beloved panel, you've got other things to do during your day. So let's go on to the last story. Um, Story six, WordCamp Asia cancelled due to the plague. Um, But I think Vito... (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, Vito, but I think Vito's got an announcement and something positive to say about this. Over to you, Vito. So first of all, I started by the fact that I was supposed to be in Thailand right now uh, on a beach, you know, drinking from a coconut, straight from a coconut. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but unfortunately, this thing happened. We had a company retreat planned out around this event. We were supposed to fly out to 10 people out there. We're sponsoring. Had a, a lot of things riding uh, this, uh, uh, this experience, meetings and all this kind of stuff. Um, all is canceled because, like, uh, since, uh, since the decision was made. I understand. Well, you can, that means you're available in February to come on the show. So what are you complaining about? Oh, I'm good. I'm here. I'm happy. Uh, and that's the kind of like the next thing. When we woke up to these news, we were kind of like bummed. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, I just lost so much money. Uh, but um, uh, but in uh, but then uh, Jan kind of just texted me first thing in the morning. That just Jan just joined our team a couple of weeks ago, and last year he did an online summit with two thousand people uh, called the, the WordPress um, Agency Summit. Um, so he was like, "Let's still do it." Uh, all the speakers have the have the. Uh, uh, the talks already ready. Yeah. Uh, we have the platform, we have the infrastructure, we have the new community that is uh, is growing by the day. Uh, and he also has all of his attendees. It's it's natural, you know, to just do it. In any case, it was kind of our plan to do some kind of summits through the platform. So now we're just expediting the process uh, and doing it uh, really fast. So we were talking to a bunch of the speakers. Um, the, the organizers are not on board with us, and that's cool. You know, that's the decision. Um, um, so, but we're still going ahead with this to try and help the community. Um, I'm even thinking, you know, like I, I have unfortunately a lot of experience with uh, war zones, uh, and uh, I'm I'm thinking of the people that are stuck at home. 
as we speak right now, uh, you know, or in different places around the world, uh, literally quarantined inside the homes or inside cruise ships, right? We talked about this in the beginning. Death, death ships. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, but, I'm a happy soul when I am at this. There's a beautiful. Yeah, you are uh, really a ray of sunshine. Today. No, I am. And I'm sorry, I'm a ray of sunshine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're we're going ahead with this, and uh, we're gonna do it on the exact dates. It's not gonna be a, a big summit like we're gonna do later this year. Uh, it's probably gonna be just a few days of celebrating the community, making sure that the people that got left out or missed out on this have a place to go and do and this, uh, watch the talks. Yeah, just, as a, just as a side note, this, yes. whole, this whole virus thing, I don't know you, panel, I think you're, you're taking this on and it's a great idea. And I, I think it's, I hope I will try and um, log in and... Um, be part of it as well. Um, hopefully it's going to be a great success. But I just want to put this to the panel because I don't know if the panel's had the same reaction to this virus and what's happening in China. I'm, I'm so confused by it because, you know, there are some news outlets like the BBC and some other outlets that I don't totally trust, but I... You know, they're the first sources that I go to. And like the like some sources say that this virus is, you know, it, it's its consequences are no more severe than uh, a severe flu outbreak. You know, um, you know, probably so more, I, more, more people would die of from flu. But then the doctor in China that initially identified it, uh, a young, extremely fit doctor, he died, he's the, he was one of the victims. He actually died of the bloody thing. So that doesn't look too good, does it? So, um, like, what do you reckon about this, Spencer? Do you think it's, it's been overplayed or do you think, because I'm getting totally different messages from the media about yeah. this. Well, there's a couple of components that I see going on. First of all, I think all of us need to take seriously the fact that when we start to work our way into what's left of the natural world, that all of these cross-species viruses are going to come out. This one allegedly came from bats. You know, we had chickens and monkeys and everything else. And so the idea is we, we want to avoid, if at all possible, a Planet of the Apes scenario where somebody gets on an airplane and next thing you know, you know, the Statue of Liberty is under the sand. But beyond that, the problem is that we do see a lot of stereotypical bad actors and behaviors now with how it's being handled. Because when you look at the facts, and I'm not minimizing how serious this is, something like 80,000 people died last year from flu. And I'm not saying that this doesn't have the potential to blow up, but like exponentially more people die from the regular run-of-the-mill flu. But when you look at the news media, you'd think, I mean, I lived through... SARS and Ebola and, you know, AIDS, all these things that were going to kill all of us have come and gone because it just requires us to adapt to and act logically. Where what about this doctor dying who first, he was a pretty fit young guy? And he, well, you know, I, think, I think the issue is not so much that people overestimate the danger of uh, COVID-19. It's the people underestimate the flu. Correct. Right. It's they underestimate. You know, the I had the flu a couple of years ago. It's freaking scary. And, um, and, you know, but fortunately, people are more familiar with the flu and with how to treat it. And, and uh, you know, that there are occasionally effective vaccines for it. And, you know, John said something on a Slack about how, you know, measles is 18 times more infectious. Um most of us, I hope, are vaccinated against the measles, uh, but there, you know, there have been some serious outbreaks in the in the states. But this is new; it's unknown. It comes from an exotic place, and therefore, uh, we react to it in a way that we don't with uh, things that are actually more dangerous, but also uh, more familiar. Go ahead. 
I think I think I just thought I was going to quickly ask. On to uh, Chris has left. I think he had to get his flu vaccine. Uh, um, so uh, um, on to our recommendations of the week. And I stole this from Chris. I was part of one of Chris's um, um, Zoom um, for users of his great plugin um, yesterday, and he I, I, I just stole this because he recommended it. Um, it's a it's a it's a program. It, my problem is pronouncing the name of the godforsaken thing. It's Termageddon. It's a wonderful name. Termageddon. Termageddon. Very relevant. Basically, if you need terms and conditions, and most clients, they always say, oh, what about the terms and conditions? Terms and conditions. Like somehow you're supposed to pull them out of your backside for them. Um, <laughs> this website provides terms and conditions and other doc- documentation that you probably need for your website. And he, uh, I had a quick look at it yesterday and it seemed reasonably interested. Um, the link to the product will be in the show notes on the WP Tonic website. Go and have a look. Sally, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, sure. I, I confess I have not tried this yet, but uh, somebody referenced it uh, <laughs> recently. Um it is a bulk block converter plugin. So if you uh, desire to convert your uh, WordPress content, your old WordPress content to Gutenberg, and, and you don't think that's going to be dangerous, which, uh, you know, if, if your content is mainly like text and lists and the odd picture, you, you should not have any problem. Uh, there is a bulk block converter, so you don't have to go back and edit, you know, hundreds of posts. Um so I have put that link in the chat. Do test that on a test site. Oh, yes, please. Always, always. Do not. Work do on not, your dev site. <laughs> Make not, backups. Do not do that on your website. Spencer, Spencer, got anything you recommend? Uh, yeah, for anybody who has any kind of sales funnel or sales checkout page, uh, there's a free plugin uh, that I put in there called the... Uh, Browser dash title dash bar dash animation plugin, and what it oh, does, it, does, it just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's called it's called the browser title bar animation, but the URL is what it is, and it essentially allows you to put uh, your choice of one of four free animations in the browser tab. So if somebody's on your checkout page and then they go to somewhere else, get distracted by cats. The, the browser bar will like go, hey, woo, come back, come back, come back, in not a horrible way, not a you know. Chinese, mm, 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 no noises, but it's very useful. And what's interesting, it's totally free. It works with any site. It works with your site even if you don't have WooCommerce. It just is a way to like let people know, like, this is the tab that you want. It's like Jungle Book, look into my eyes, come back. Um, so, sorry, sorry, listeners of yours. Um, Vito, you got anything you want to recommend? So um, I posted here about uh, Dave Foy's course, No Stress WordPress. Uh, he's just uh, about to raise his prices finally after a few years that he's been doing this uh, really cheaply. Uh, so this is kind of a course that a lot of people are taking to uh, get started in the WordPress world. But uh, he kind of gave me uh, uh, access to this uh, um, to see what's going on in there. And I found a lot of things that I wasn't sure about myself. And it's just one of those things that you're kind of like, uh, you just accept things because that's how it's done. But you never really know the reason behind them. Uh, so uh, it's really nice to just go back to the basics. Of course, not a lot of the things are there for uh, super pros, but uh, um, I'm, uh, if, it was, uh, if it was brought to my attention during my agency days, I would definitely make this a must for each one of my employees to take before they, get to, before they start touching any websites, just to make sure that they have a proficiency level um, uh, that is needed. Uh, I learned from it as well, so I'm sure that a lot of people uh, uh, can learn with this, can learn from this. Uh, yeah, like make I- sure, make sure the links in the chat. Yeah. And um, Dave, um, he's been on the WP Tonic show. We interviewed him, uh, I think, almost a year ago, and he is a superb educator. He's very good on his courses and explaining things, isn't he, Vito? Yeah, he's a match. And I think uh, he had I, a I, I previous. Co- sorry. With- I got more in touch with him now with this uh, with this new platform. He's the uh, community manager for the beginners group in there. Uh, so uh, we got to become friends. Apparently, he was to play in a band as well, and he was playing guitar. Mm. And, yeah, so it's really cool. 
Yeah. And if you want to, we interviewed Vito last week and it's up on the WP Tonic show. If you want to learn more about WP feedback and how to, how to move from freelancer to agency owner, go and uh, listen to our interview with Vito that, like I say, has recently been published. So, uh, Adrian, got anything you want to recommend? Yes. Uh, so if you are a course creator and you are looking to add marketing automation to your uh, technology stack in order to increase enrollments, engagement, and revenue, then uh, we just pushed out and published a brand new course. We're calling it Course Creator Essentials, and it will show you essential marketing automation strategies that you need to have on your LMS site. Uh, and we show you how to build those using uh, Groundhog, our tool. Oh, fantastic. So I will have a museum of that over the weekend myself. So panelists, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for listening to this. If you really want to support the show, um, go over to the WP Tonic website. Um, join our newsletter, which is now mobile friendly. I did sort that out. So the next newsletter will look superb on your mobile device. Um, we're adding a lot of new features and we'll be adding a sweet stake. You'll be able to win a prize up to $100, which we're going to be announcing at the end of next month, March, um, to anybody that signs up during February and March, they will be able the ability to win a prize up to the value of $100. And we'll be announcing the winner like the last show of March. So um, go to the WP Tonics um, website and sign up for our newsletter. We'll be back next week with another great panel. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.